after two qualifying slams of about 40 youth poets in the city, the top 12 will be competing for a spot on the Detroit Youth Poetry Slam team, which will compete at Louder Than a Bomb in May, which is a big statewide festival, and then at Brave New Voices International Poetry Festival in San Francisco this summer. So is the Detroit Youth Grand Slam kind of the March Madness for the citywide uh, poets? A little bit, yeah. In, in the past, we've sort of just done one big event, but we had such a big turnout last year, we had to sort of expand it to a qualifying model, um, which shows you know, that there's a big interest in this in the city. Yeah. What kind of poems can we expect from the students that are involved? Um, students are bringing a whole variety of poems, a lot about what it's like to be a young person in the city, the things the teenagers go through, um, but also things that are reflective of this historical and political moment, things that are um, totally unexpected as well. All right. I want to get to a few of those. So let's talk to some of the poets. My name is Ajane Neal. Why poetry for you? I was going through a hard time in my life and um, never really had anybody to talk to. So I just ventured out to writing and like keeping it to myself. It's been rough. I really don't like writing about personal things because it just irks my life, if that makes sense. Um, but being with Inside Out has really gave me that sense of security, I guess, and like being able to share my story without being angry or being angry with the world. So, What's the poem we're going to hear you do here? Um, it's called Peace. And what's it about? It's about my life on Rosa Parks. I grew up on the corner of Rosa Parks, a place where every individual on the block had a mousetrap on their tongues. On this block, the sky was always blue. Until night, when the stars seemed to riot about who ran the streets, I am seven years old, and I've already watched bodies drop to the awakening of a new day. I've watched... The horizon split its cornrows into holy scriptures sung on Resurrection Day, but today was different. Today I would have watched my mother get tongue piercings without a needle, but instead with the fists angry with his treatment, I watched how her trail of tears came when she realized I was standing there, holding my Build-A-Bear screaming stop, wishing my stepdad's heart would feel the same, still, cold, a heart buried 24 feet into his body. I wish he could feel my tears. How they danced across every bloody knuckle, cracked upon every flaw my on my mother's face, cracking flaws so there became a risk not taken. I remember how everything was silent. I closed my eyes and all I could see was his crack pipe and needle injecting some type of spiritual belief into his veins. I loved him at that time. He wasn't sober but was content. He was still, and in every heartbeat, I could feel every ounce he ever inhaled. My street was silent at last. No color, no space, no picture. Can you tell me what happened here? Then a voice reminds me to never speak of my truth. I say nothing. It was an accident. Everything will be fine. Until my street can be loud again, I will forever keep my peace. Peace. How does writing that help make you a survivor? I know talking about that is very personal and most people don't want to talk about it because it's either too personal or they feel like nobody else will understand. But me writing that and sharing my story to everybody else, I know there's somebody out in the audience somewhere that probably went through the same thing or similar things that I went through. So me speaking out gives can give them hope 
to actually write about it and have somebody know that somebody will understand or I understand their pain at least. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm Imani Beckley. I'm 16 year, years old and I go to school at Fitzgerald High School. What is it about poetry that makes you spend so much time with it? Just the voice that it gives me. Um, things that you wouldn't normally say, things that aren't brought up in normal conversation. <clears throat> you can express that on a page and you can choose what you share. So tell me about the poem you have for the slam here. The poem I have for the slam is actually a poem I wrote kind of about my identity and where I come from, not knowing a father and how it affects me in my everyday life today. What's it called? It's called The Rundown for That Fatherless Kid. Okay, let's hear it. You'll grow up in a house full of mirrors, one for each time you had to ask your mother who you looked like. She'll never answer you. You'll spend most of your nights alone in the dark with shadows that don't tell you stories. The walls don't tuck you in at night and your veins will shiver and crack from the cold trail bloodline that belongs to your father. Your mother would tell you to get on your knees and ask God to send you your father. You'll pray every night until your knees bruise and you find your pride. You question why a merciful God will make a broken heart beg. Years will pass and you will forget the prayer your mother taught you, but you remember that it had something to do with forgiveness. And you might not ever find it in your heart to forgive, but you will find your father in every man that waves hello. Your favorite jeans a conversation piece, but they will never ask you where you got them. Only compliment the way that they grip your thighs and they won't notice how much you look like your aunt when you smile, but they will simply call you beautiful. And you are beautiful still. You learn that you don't need a man to teach you how to love yourself. And you might not ever find out who that is, but isn't that the beauty of falling in love with someone? Accepting that there will always be something new to learn, something new to love, and something old that you may simply never know. What did your mother think of that poem? I actually didn't share that one with her. <laughs> Why Poetry not? is like, I don't know. That's something that I have for myself. I don't really share it with my family. But you're going to perform it on a stage at the Slam, and you haven't you haven't read it to your mother? I haven't. So uh -oh. if she comes, that'll be the first time she heard it. Okay, well, let us know. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Amani. I'm Damon Hogan. Damon, you spent all of high school um, at Ben Carson High School here in Detroit in the Inside Out program, and now you're continuing with it while you were a freshman at Wayne State. Is it different being a college student and writing poems? It's actually easier because before I was a distance away from the program, like, it was hard to get here traveling-wise. So now I live right across the street from it. So anytime it's a meeting, I just walk over, and I don't need to hassle about how I'm going to get there. How did you get into poetry in the first place? So in eighth grade, I had a poetry assignment, and my entire class loved the poem. And it got to the point where my teacher put me into a poetry slam, and I lost. It was bad. But... My big brother came up to me because he'd been doing poetry. His name is Sheezy Bobeezy. And he'd been doing poetry for a while. And he was doing it about three years before me. And he said, well, bro, you need to get into poetry for real because I see that you got talent. So he brought up Inside Out. And I didn't know nothing about it. So one day he just brought me up here and he said, well, I'll sit down here with you for a second and I'm going to just leave so that you can do your thing. So after that, I developed a love for it. And... Now I'm just addicted to poetry. Like, every, anytime I can, I just write what I think. And now you're competing in the Citywide Slam this week. Tell me about the poem you're doing for that. This poem, Born From Ideas, it's related to a lot of my history with poetry and my struggles with poetry. 
and how I overcame these struggles. All right, share it with us. When we speak, we spit fire like the last gulp of Molotov cocktail. We are pyromaniacs with the personification. Audience is just petrol fueling our ignition. The stage is a prison, and I've been standing a writer's block, locked up for arson. I got a prison sentence of 10 to 20. Stanzas. My cellmate is an exclamation point arrested for domestic violence. His wife is a question mark, always fixing her face sideways, thinking he's cheating with quotations, asking, why you always resting on him with that he say, she say stuff? He didn't appreciate her questioning him, so he threw a comma at her head, and when the police got there, they found her apostrophized. When I got to the prison, the first thing that woke me was a pad, talking junk, and explaining to me that I wasn't poet enough to be locked up, that my pen strokes struck too much of a resemblance to my paintbrush when I Picasso my blank verse. Boy, you doodling. I write the same thousand words they paint in. My color spectrum is aerial black and Calibri light. This pad told me it was dissatisfied with my diction, that I constantly compromised my compulsive couplets. You ain't goon till your body count looks like a word count. But I'm messy with this manuscripted massacre. I should have warned him that I don't color between the lines and that my penmanship is pristine. I write surgically. Letters in my ligaments. Letters live in my lymph nodes navigating the script of my nervous system. I bleed scribbles and chicken scratch. All my work is a blood sacrifice. But this notebook is greedy, leeching my intent by its attention. I just met him, and after this, I don't want to fight. I want to catch a body. Paragraph. And then his headline with bullet points. We ain't shooting blanks around here, only ellipses. About to rip his spine out and turn him loose leaf. Better yet, scrap paper. But wait, I can't. Because I got my head gassed up, brain farting, call me mentally constipated trying to spit some real stuff. I run and grab a pen from the evidence room, snatched it right from the pencil case. I walk up on him and I let the blood, I blood let his vessels deep as Atlantic Ocean boneyards, letting blood tie stanzas to margins like stitches, drenching the page with ink that gushes from him like stab wounds, enough to drain an inkwell. He is begging in agony, please stop, but I'm in the zone, I'll write nonstop as the ink runs on like the extended sentence I'm about to serve. I'm scratching his pad like I'm scribing scriptures into a skeleton. He's done, and the conclusion would be overkill. They put me in the hole until it's time for my execution. I wait with a smile the size of a parenthesis. I'm sentenced to the eraser. They don't know that I'm immortal. You can't erase ink, and I've been ballpoint since baby boomers bought birth to battlefields. I walk out a free man looking for another audience to ignite. Like petrol. Uh, what was the inspiration for this poem? Mm, so I was thinking about writer's block. And that term automatically block associated with prison, like a prison block. So I automatically decided to write about a prison and being chained to these words. So it just associated. It was like a natural bond. I'm like, well, writer's block is just like prison. I'm always stuck on one page. So I might as well get through the I might as well just get through my sentence. Those are some of the poets from the Inside Out Literary Arts Program who are going to be performing Thursday night at the Detroit Youth Grand Slam. Ben, if people want to come out, what information do they need to know about how they can come see the performances live? So the Grand Slam will be held at Trinisofs, which is an amazing space uh, at 1464 Gratiot, just near Eastern Market. Uh, the event opens right at five o'clock. There's a five dollar suggested donation. 
Um, we'll have a DJ. The cafe will be open. It should be a good time. And thanks to all of the Inside Out Youth Poets for performing in the studio. We'll have more of them on WDET.org.